The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Welcome to Generations Geek, a more or less family-friendly celebration of all that is geeky. I'm science fiction writer Scott Pearson, and along with my daughter Ella... Hello! We are two generations of geek. This is episode 45. The A2s always were a bit twitchy. Part 3 of our multi-part alien retrospective as we discuss the classic sequel, Aliens. But first, remember you can find us online at generationsgeek.com, which includes handy links to all of our episodes. Plus, check out the Generations Geek Instagram, featuring Ella's geeky adventures. Now, on with the show. Aliens. Here we are. First reactions. I don't remember if I've watched Aliens since the first time I watched Aliens. And the first time I watched Aliens, my mind was so blown. I was like, this is the best movie ever. Nothing can top this. It's perfect. And now when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is really long. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's uh, let's talk about and that we, for a second. We watched the theatrical version, and the first time I watched it, I watched the, the director's cut or whatever. Yeah. And uh, us watching the theatrical version, I was like, this is going on and on and on. Well, talk about some of the differences of theatrical versus director's cut throughout the show, probably. But my comment right now would just be that I think the director's cut is too long. It's so long. They're both so because long. It's I lo- think I would. I think watching Aliens, I would prefer the director's cut. Um, I generally do. There's an exception. There's at least one exception <laughs> that we don't have to get into. <laughs> the Hobbit. Here, even though I definitely think it's too long, the director's cut makes for a much more like full-feeling story. It makes it a lot more rounded, There's... I think. There's those tiny parts... There's a couple parts that I'm quite fond of that are in those deleted scenes or in the director's cut. But then there's other parts that just make it too long and it made perfect sense why he cut them yeah. in the first place. Yeah, because it's, and so it's, if, the movie is too long. <laughs> if, if I were to make my my cut of Aliens, it would only have some of those scenes put back in and not mm-hmm. as much... I well, and what I was working up to say is that I don't think I loved it as much this time. Before we watched it, I was like, "I'm excited to watch Aliens. I think I like it better than Alien." And I was like, "Not to be, not not to be too crazy, but in watching it now, I definitely feel as though my love for Alien itself is bigger than Aliens." <laughs> I think Alien is a more consistent film throughout and i tend it's also a very to prefer it however i also think i'm of two minds there's part of Mm -hmm. me that's like it's kind of unfair to compare them one's a horror film one's an action adventure movie they're completely different so they're they're different sub-genres different mashups of the genre but i think that alien has aged better i I, yeah I, yeah i think that there are things in aliens that uh just land poorly now compared to when I it do came out. I do love Aliens. I love but, the I love any I love literally any sci-fi movie that has like soldiers in it. I'm there. Like and I will fall for any trope that I always <laughs> talk about. My favorite scene is when they all wake up 
and the dude, the the dude, the highest ranking guy in charge. What's his name? Who? Apone. Apone sits up and he had the cigar in his hand right away. Yeah. Like, but like, it's like he went into what's it called? Cryo sleep. Yeah. With the cigar in his hand, ready to go. He sits up, puts it in his mouth. Um, it has the same feel that Alien does, where they all all the characters know each other very well. It's um Ridley Scott's used future. Let's step back a little bit. There's a a, a point I want to make about those opening scenes. Uh, first, I want to comment that uh, Aliens came out in 1986, so there it was seven years after the original film in 1979. Seven years? So seven years <laughs> passed. Yeah, which was really quite a long time. I'm shook. But one thing that I really like about Aliens and find very interesting is that because of that little sci-fi wrinkle of cryosleep, it manages to be both a direct sequel, like picks up right yeah. for, for from Ripley's point of view, yeah. yeah, it picks up right where it left off because she goes to sleep and then she wakes up. But it's also 57 years later. And so it's this great years later, sci-fi everyone thing. Everyone you know and love is dead. <laughs> yeah. But what's really effective about the film is in the theatrical release, that opening scene is in the uh, the lifeboat. Mm-hmm. And you've got some of that same music playing. It just puts you oh, right absolutely. back in there. You are just immediately back in that universe. And especially with them waking up and like they're all getting ready together, and then they're, like, yeah, then, and then, then they're, later like, on, yeah. later on when you get back, yeah, to into the wake up scene, and that's actually where there was a few seconds cut out that I wish he would have left in because if you watch the deleted scenes, there's a couple more shots just kind of wandering through the empty yeah. ship, and it's playing that same music. You're hearing kind of some of the same sound effects, and that also really puts puts you back into that same scene that opened up the original film. Well, there's two things I want to talk about. Let's talk about the first thing. The first thing is that all I want to be when I grow up is like a blue collar worker on a spaceship. And I just want to get up in the morning and put like a blue jumpsuit on over my like tank top and underwear and like buckle, like put a belt on, you know, like there's always a, you always and, cinch and, the waist. Yeah. And just go to work. And just go to get some spaceship grease on my hands. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's my life's calling. Okay. Second of all, I want to talk about, I think there's two butch lady soldiers mm-hmm. that I'm just in love with. Yeah. I, they're the best. There's one that's like ethnically ambiguous that's always talking in Spanish. <laughs> well, that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's something that we need to talk about uh, yeah. because a lot of people, I think even now don't realize this after all these years, you're talking about Vasquez yeah, and the woman who played her, her name in real life is Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah. Yeah. She's a white woman. I got, yeah, that's the vibe I got. <laughs> who wore yeah. dark contact lenses <gasps> What? and dark body makeup <gasps> to make her look Latina. Dad. <laughs> Very awkward. If that movie came out now, it would be blown apart because of that. It just seems it's so much effort. It's like where? Why not just cast? Where are you funneling your racism at that point? Yeah. What's even? It's like okay, we need a woman of color, but I hate real women of color. So we're gonna make this. (laughs) We're gonna make this white lady look 
exactly like the people I hate. And I don't know that I'd leap to the conclusion that James Cameron and his casting directors hate Latinas or Hispanic <laughs> well, people. But I think, but it, it's still just, it, it's a baffling it's decision. So I mean, even, I'm sure they're not, well, I can't, but, I'm not you know, sure. I would like to think they're not like actively racist. No. I would like to think it's just, you know, that, um, insensitive and, and foolish. We are the, we are just force fed, what society and, wants from us all day, and, every day from the, from birth. And thirty years ago, you know, it was just in a culture uh, that w- was not as woke to the issue <laughs> as we are now. Because you know, you think of, I mean, if you look at something like, say, when Doctor Strange came out, and they changed, even just changing the race. Of the ancient one, they didn't try to make her appear Asian or anything. Yeah, she was just a white woman. But they changed, you know, I, a race of a character to a white woman, and it was really controversial. Yeah, and if you had washing, someone yeah. nowadays put on dark skin makeup, it's it's hard to imagine that could happen. But thirty years ago, it was still in a time when it wasn't. I guess that big a deal to just like, oh, well, we'll just put some contacts and some uh, makeup on 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 Jeanette, and she'll be uh, <laughs> Hispanic or Latina, which, Jeanette, your, you whatever can, your preference is. You can say is. stupido, right? You can just say you, so, you, you can have an accent, right? You can be you can be spicy, right, Jeanette? Like it's <laughs> bizarre, and I think one of the reasons why people don't notice it is because her character is a honorable, likable character. They didn't engage in negative stereotypes. Yeah, like she's... She's strong, independent, she's taking care of business, and... She's got a a buzz cut, she's got the bandana tied around her head, she's she's amazing. She's immediately a likable character. There's that great line where a a man says to her, have you ever been mistaken for a man? And she says, no, have you? That's a good one. Well, how can you not love Vasquez right there? I love her. I do. (laughs) But it is unfortunate that they... I want her to just walk around with me all day, and when somebody says something snarky to me, I want her to whisper in my ear, and then I'll immediately say, no, have you? (laughs) Let's uh, not get too far ahead of ourselves, though. I want to go back... Uh, in a more sort of chronological order. Yeah, the the moral of the story is we appreciate strong women on spaceships. Please don't but, wear blackface. Yeah. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. <laughs> so Ripley is awakened. She's rescued after 57 years. She eventually finds out. She gets introduced to the classic... Slimy, slimy corporate <laughs> toady, Burke. I hate him. Kiddo. He's Every time he says kiddo, kiddo, I'm kiddo. Oh, boy, you better. so <laughs> condescending. It's, it's such a great. Oh, uh, I wish Ripley had slapped him. He's such a great character in that he's. At it's first, like he's, he's condescending, but he's kind of likable. He's likable. He's sort of. Because at, at first, it's like, oh, they're like. At first, it's like, oh, he's, like, nice. Kiddo's, like, a nickname. And then it's like, mm, I don't think Kiddo's a nickname. I think you're a jerk. Yeah, you eventually <laughs> yeah, realize like, how oh, bad he is. you're a horrible person. Yeah, and he's not quite as cartoonish as the villains in James Cameron's movies would start to be <laughs> moving forward from Aliens. I was so happy that Jonesy was there. 
It's like every Jonesy. time Jones is there. I can't it's... wait to buy, like, the second I'm an adult, I'm going to immediately go out and I'm going to buy the biggest, fluffiest, <laughs> fattest, two orange tabby cats mm-hmm. that I can find. And one's going to be Jonesy and one's going to be Richard Parker. Oh, yeah, okay. And I'm just going to be a cat lady. I like wearing my blue jumpsuit with space grease on my hands. I liked how they developed her PTSD. You know, those, those horrific, the yeah. horrific nightmares that she has uh, at the beginning there. Th- there were a couple of scenes that played off of her lingering problems later in the film mm-hmm. that actually were part of what got cut out here and there. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they just wanted to have her appear stronger as the movie mm-hmm. went along. And I kind of liked some of those scenes from the deleted scenes that showed her still dealing with yeah. what she'd been through. Because um, there's an alien. Oh, Well, and the thing that makes it, I mean, you expect the Marines to just kind of like go in all fearlessly. Yeah. But what makes Ripley a great character is that she's not a soldier, that she is scared, but that she does it anyway, yep. even without all the proper training because she does what has to be done to protect herself or the people she cares for. And it makes her a great role model for Newt. Yes. There's a part in the movie where Newt's like, Ripley, I'm scared. And she's just like, me too. Like, yep. it's okay. Yep. It's okay to be scared. This is one of those movies that is eminently quotable. There are so many Game great over, lines man. in it. Yeah. Game L- over. Lines I that, love him. <laughs> lines that you probably heard quoted before you ever saw the film quite likely and and maybe didn't even know that that came to mind because i was thinking of her great line i've slept enough (laughs) early in the uh Mm -hmm. in the movie getting back to the flow of the story she has to go see that horrible corporate board where they're you know and she gives them what for she gives them what for (laughs) but one thing that i liked about that was on the one hand it's a completely believable scene from a corporate point of view. But oh, it, yeah. But it yeah. also was a brilliant bit of storytelling because it allowed them to do basically the previously on Alien. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked just perfectly smoothly into the story mm-hmm. and was part of the drama because they're saying all this stuff that happened but in a completely disbelieving way. So you're both cueing yeah. the audience back in while also developing what's going on and how they're railroading her character. That was uh, that was a nice bit of screenwriting there. One, another thing that I thought that they did very effectively in here is that because of that 57-year gap, we and Ripley know what happened. Mm-hmm. But then it's one of those great things where the audience and that, and that one lead character that you're yeah. siding with, you know more than everyone, than all yeah. the other characters. And so as little things get revealed... You know that they're all going to die. <laughs> you go, oh no. And and they don't react to these little snippets at all because, of course, they don't know or they don't believe. Yeah. Can we also talk about... Okay, we talked about before how nobody in the alien universe ever really alludes to whether or not they've seen any type of alien before. In Alien. I was talking yeah. about that in Alien and in the prequels. So, but in there's Aliens, there's a line. There's a line in Aliens where they're in. It's right after they wake up and they're in. They're like getting dressed and they're like, and one of the yeah. soldiers is like, oh, yeah. like it who, turns one of the Marines a... is like, who's that? 
And one of the other ones is like, uh, she's a, she's a quote consultant unquote. And then they're like, she says she's seen an alien. And then one of the other ones goes like, whoop de doo. Like, yeah. great. And I was like, oh, they've all seen aliens. Yeah. Oh my God. So there it is. That's... <laughs> like I never noticed that before. Yeah, in that... my one, possibly two other viewings of aliens. Yeah. And so it was, yeah, it's very firmly established. But that in the they're other like, ones, okay, like we all see aliens. Was, some, 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 you go out in space. Yeah. Sometimes you see an alien, and boom, perfect, exactly what I wanted. Thank you, James Cameron, for that and nothing else. <laughs> and that's also the scene where we eventually get one of my favorite quotes: "The A 2s always were a bit twitchy." Mm-hmm. Uh, because have... Ripley has a great PTSD reaction to finding out she's sitting next. She to... She does not trust yeah. Bishop. And Which is like fair, right? Because like it's completely understandable why she would have doubts after what happened with Ash. Because Ash is like the reason why everything yeah. happened. He's the one who opened the door. He's the one yeah. who was trying to protect it. Um, hashtag Why are androids obsessed with the aliens? It's unclear, except for Bishop. Well. But because Bishop and my uh, my only son Ash was my only child. Ash was ordered to. Ash was crazy. Well, yeah, and then he went bonkers. He was ordered to, but he was also like. But then, yeah, there was Spooktown, something USA. also went. Yeah, something also Spooktown, went. Spooktown. Something went the wrong company with him. Spaceship. The A twos always were a bit twitchy. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I do like Bishop. He has this great hairstyle it's like it's like a it's like a flattened down faux hawk but like long on the sides <laughs> that's exactly it <laughs> it's so awkward and it's like it's almost like he has a comb over on both sides of his head <laughs> but like not I was really staring at that haircut this time. I kind of was remembering. I was kind of thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to take a look at his haircut because I just remembered that it's so awkward. They were just, like, trying to make him look kind of dorky and... It's no David bleaching his hair while watching Lawrence of Arabia, that's for sure. So they wake up. They get on the drop ship. They head down to the planet, LV-426, which has been colonized... Shake and bake colony. Shake and bake colony. Colonized <laughs> while she was sleeping. That drop down uh, gives classic. me a, another one of my favorite lines from the film. <laughs> Somebody wake up Hicks. <laughs> it's a horrible turbulence. Dead Everyone's asleep. shaking Everyone's around. Everyone's like throwing up and he's yeah. just sleeping. He's poor, out. Poor Garmin, the new lieutenant. It looks like he's going to lose his lunch <laughs> any moment now. Hicks sound asleep. Hicks is me. <laughs> oh, Good man. night. <laughs> I'm just going to throw in a comment about music here. It's got a great score by James Horner that evokes the original score by Jerry Goldsmith in Alien at the right moments. Yeah. To bring back those. Agreed. You know. Bring back our own PTSD. <laughs> and then it adds in some really great sort of martial music for the Marines. However, as I was listening to it this time, I was thinking maybe all the drums are just a little bit too on the nose for the military. We're soldiers. It's very, but it works. I was wondering if you noticed. starts playing. (laughs) The one funny thing about the score, though, is that... James Horner is the also the guy who composed the soundtrack for Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, which came oh. out in 1982, four years earlier. 
And apparently he was perhaps a little rushed or something in Aliens because basically he reused almost note for note the space battle music between the Reliant <laughs> and the Enterprise in Aliens. Oh, and so you're going along and then when you get to like some big, you know, great battle scenes in Aliens and it's like, that's like, oh, Star Trek it's too. Star Trek. <laughs> it's the same thing. And this happens... Crossover? Same universe much? Just kidding. <laughs> and this happens. I mean, well, and, you know, sometimes it's not always so note for note as this kind of turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's just sort of style. You have stylistic similarities. If you listen to all the scores of John Williams or all the scores of anyone, yeah. you'll start noticing little Howard Shore. flourishes of things. No. Uh, Leonard Rosenman did the soundtrack for the animated version of The Lord of the Rings, and he also did Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and there's a couple of bits. <laughs> there's a, what a resume! There's a couple of bits in in Star Trek IV that definitely borrow pretty liberally from <laughs> Lord of the Rings, and so if you're a person that really pays attention to the soundtracks, there are these weird moments of deja vu where you get uh-huh. these weird... Other feelings evoked in completely different films. But uh, overall, the score for uh, Aliens is fabulous. Well, and and like the film itself, it takes a, a great thing and builds and expands on it in a, in a way that just really makes these two films, even though they're different sub-genre mashups, horror and action adventure, you can just oh, watch them back to back and they just go together so well. It's a rare sequel that is so effective, you know, just as enjoyable as the first one. And I think part of the reason is because it's different enough that you don't get that rerun feeling, even though there are elements that are reused. Uh, it, it still is enough of its own that it feels like it feels more fresh than a lot of sequels do. One thing I thought was kind of interesting is how in the first film, Ash whips up a motion tracker that Ripley's kind of suspicious of because it just like comes out of nowhere and she's asking him <laughs> how it works and he's like, you know, micro density changes in air pressure or whatever. And she's like, yeah. But then in here, 57 years later, all the Marines just whip out the motion trackers. Yeah. They've all got them. Yeah. There's no question about them. That was a nice uh, Time thing. has passed. Yeah. Okay, so you find the colony laid waste, and this is where one of the things I mentioned earlier in this podcast comes in again, is that as the viewer and as Ripley, you know that when you see... You know exactly what is happening. You know, melted spots in the yeah. floor, you know what the Bad, story is. yeah. Now, finally, some of the Marines are starting to think, well, maybe Ripley isn't nuts because they read the report. Can I just say, if Ripley were a man, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they would have believed her. They would have been like, we got to get some troops out to this friggin' colony. Call yep. the police. But yep. no, you Lil, could... Lil Ellen with her perm and her curly bangs. No. <laughs> Classic mansplaining. <laughs> going on there think of it from our point of view tell us <laughs> one more time that guy was perfect casting he it's played true. like the head corporate bonehead that you know i'll tell you something one more time 
I love that when she starts saying this stuff that you find all so important, she grabs a bunch of paper. Yeah. You can just see this hand come in from out of frame. The <laughs> yeah. person, like there's a the person there is trying yeah, to grab like, it back. My, my papers. And I love that they didn't like then cut to that person showing them. You know, yeah. all you see is if that you little stay hand. on Ripley and somebody's trying yeah. to grab it. Like, no, my files, my folders. <laughs> so quickly after they enter the thing they discover newt newt uh one of the other soldiers almost unleashes on her and uh and uh hicks savage you know, pushes the gun back because he realizes it's a kid and it's and know, they tell ripley to go up there because she's a girl in the yeah <laughs> but i thought for me it almost echoed a little bit in the original, they're on the motion tracker, and they think it's in, you know, this little bin or something, and the thing comes running out, and, and then, because it turned out to be Jones. Yeah. And it was, yeah. like, kind of the same thing. It's like they're tracking something, yeah, and someone's, like, ready to get it, yeah. and yet one person realizes what it is and, like, stops them. He's like, it's the cat. It's. I just, like, the sound effects that come along with any motion from a face hugger or the full xenomorph... The little scuttling kind of... That is the worst sound possible. They could, like, they could not have picked something to make me, like, p- like pull my feet up off the floor yeah. more. Like, yeah. I, like, every time I hear that sound, I have a heart attack, and I flash back. I read some creepy book in, like, fourth grade where there was, like, so, there is called, like, the box or something. There was, like, a box under this couch, and this kid, like... It was like this huge thing. This kid like opened this box, and there was like a thing in there, like a scorpion, like a like a crazy thing. And it like <laughs> this. I'm going off, but this thing like <laughs> crawled out of the box and under the couch, and they was like under there, and the kid couldn't get in. It was like a kid and this creepy scuttly thing, and <laughs> takes me right back to terrifying myself and sleeping with the lights on in third grade. But <laughs> that might just be me. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of the things where the introduction of Newt. And the very quick bond that forms between her and Ripley. Mm-hmm. This is where one of the bits from the deleted scenes slash extended version was nice. Because there was a little scene cut from the theatrical release where you find out that Ripley had a daughter on Earth who has, in the 57 years that Ripley was asleep, has grown up and passed away. And so Ripley finds out that her daughter is dead. Which and is heartbreaking when you is... haven't ate. Well, it's heartbreaking at all, but it's heartbreaking to hear, like, she was 66 and she passed away. And you're still, like, 35. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the the other nice thing about that scene from a dramatic standpoint is she pries that information out of Burke just, just before... Who just slaps it on her. Yeah, yeah. But, not even but, a slap, just like, I don't there's not even a word. It just like oozes. He's just like, oh, like, oh, she was 56, she passed away. Like, yeah. He's, he's, it's so nonchalant. And then she has to go into that corporate meeting. And, yeah, right after. And, and so if that, with that scene in the film, uh, you realize how shaken she is already before going into that meeting. But then it also really makes clear what's going on between her and Newt, that that it's clearly a surrogate daughter for her yeah. right from the get-go. There's just so many people that I want to punch. <laughs> um, <laughs> Would you, Can you narrow that down at all for the purposes of this podcast? 
every white man an alien. Just kidding. Except for every, Hicks. Every white man from the company. Except for Hicks. I do like Hicks. I like Hicks. 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 Let me. Okay, I'm going to lay something on you. I'm going to lay something on you. Hicks is the Steve Trevor to Ripley's Wonder Woman. Don't Am I right? with me. Am I right? <laughs> Because he totally accepts her, he respects her, he, once True. things go south, like after Gorman's he unconscious, her. he trusts her, he uh, basically lets her take command, immediately, he's comfortable. Immediately, he trusts her, Yeah, he knows exactly what she needs, he teaches her how to use the Steve gun. Steve Trevor, Wonder Woman. Oh my god. That's so Classic. Saying. I'll just call Chris Pine. <laughs> call Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. We're making a remake. Gal Gadot as Alan Ripley. <laughs> Perm. If they ever remake. Perm and Curly Banks. <laughs> okay, reeling it back into my original point. Uh, on the one hand, I like putting in the backstory about the daughter because of the uh, extra weight it brings to the ripley newt relationship on the other hand it's obviously a retcon there was nothing she said in alien that would leave you to believe that she wanted to get home to her daughter so she's being a professional so i can kind of i can understand why maybe i mean maybe that's why they cut it out maybe they just said you know what this is more maybe more of a retcon than we need and it's still it's not like you need an excuse for her to bond with the little girl yeah no you so yeah Speaking of Newt, I came across, now I've forgotten her name, I didn't write it down, I came across a thing about the woman who played Newt. That was her first and only film. She didn't stay in the business. I guess just recently, like in the last several years, she occasionally will do a convention. Yeah, she was here. And um, She was here just this winter. Oh, really? Yeah. I forgot about that. She did the same convention that uh, uh, Jerry from The Walking Dead was at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I don't have money for you. <laughs> so I didn't go. Sorry. So that must be so weird. Sorry, I'm sure they're listening. Sorry, guy who plays Jerry and, um, and woman lady who played, lady who who played, played Newt. Newt as a child. I love both of you but dearly, that, it must but be, I'm in college and I'm poor. Must... <laughs> and I got a basketball game tomorrow. It must be... Fun and surreal for her to go to a con now, you know, in her 30s. Or that's like a childhood memory, yeah. And and then and just then get this like, oh adoration, God, like, Whoa. from you know, do you think she feels little again? I would, I'd be like, I'm a child. It, it, it must be, yeah, a very weird sensation for her. She gets some great lines, Newt does. Newt is amazing. I love when Newt gets some great silent responses. Well, yeah, there's that too. But I love when Ripley says, they're here to protect you. They're soldiers. And she's just, it won't make any difference. She is savage. Newt does not, like, oh my God. (laughs) When Hudson is complaining and Ripley's like, Newt survived here, like all by herself for what? And Newt just looks at him and she's got that helmet on that's twice the size of her head and she just salutes. (laughs) Hudson's like, game over, man. Hudson is me when I haven't finished my homework by 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's back it up again, uh, again, just a little bit. They think they're going to go find the colonists hiding someplace. They don't realize that, of course, they've all been cocooned. So once they get in there, they really start seeing the aliens and stuff starts going down. But then they're told that they 
can't use their explosive weapons because they could start a chain reaction in the uh, reactor. Mm. <laughs> and you get another one of the great lines where one of the soldiers, I think it's Frost, says, what the hell are we supposed to use, harsh language? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> oh, but then, of course... Vasquez doesn't turn in Vasquez? her ammo. She turns in one clip and then she's got another clip. And so both her and the other guy with the big, the she's big smart. harness weapons. She's a smart lady. She's smart. I but then of her. course. I wish she was played by a real Latina woman. <laughs> when she unleashes though, she's probably responsible for the fact that they had, well, you know, well. but yeah, it's great. It's a, that's a. You gotta, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do to blow up the aliens and then, because they're going to eat you. And then when every, lay eggs in you. Yeah. So that's when everything goes south and poor new Lieutenant Gorman on his second only combat <laughs> mission freezes up and Ripley just has to uh, take charge. Which she didn't want to do in the first place, but, but the men weren't listening to her. The yep. men and one lady wearing a suit to show that she was on the side of the men the only, weren't listening to her. And, and the only... Like, good thing that Burke does in the entire movie happens right there. It goes by very quickly. You can almost miss it. Ripley takes over. She gets in the in the driver's seat to go after the Marines and extract them. And Gorman is trying to stop her. And Burke kind of pushes him aside and says, you had your chance. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> one thing. One thing Burke did right. Slay. But once things get really bad... Then that's when, when your man Hudson, I just comes in. He's freaking hysterical. He's, so funny. he's losing it all the time, getting all those he's just quotable like constantly lines. Crying. Game over, <laughs> and, and man. It's, like, and it's supposed to be like annoying. Like everyone else, like all the other characters, are like annoyed. They're like, "Shut up, Hudson! This God, can't, this can't be happening. Stop talking!" And I'm just like, <laughs> "I, I am Hudson. Like, I love him." So after she saves everyone. It's the setup then for another of the most quoted lines in the history of everything. We have to take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. <laughs> it's the only way to be sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a great line and has been quoted by everyone at some point. I mean, practically daily. Every on, single person. Practically daily on the Twitter. <laughs> you're going to see someone, if someone posts something about oh my god, I just saw the biggest spider in my bathroom. Someone's gonna respond. <laughs> you just know it. But then it also is a great bit between Ripley and Hicks because she says that, Burke says, no, 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 and then she is able to pull on him the rank thing and say, well, you know, with Gorman unconscious, Corporal Hicks is next in the chain of mm -hmm. command because it's a military mission. Then Hicks then just repeats what she said. It's a great little bit. And at that point, of course, you're happy to see any time that someone goes against something that Burke says. You still don't know the full depth of how evil he is, which oh my god, oh my god. comes up oh later. <laughs> so they're just so they're going to take off and nuke the site from orbit, and so they call the dropship to come pick them up. And then there's the great bit where the guy comes running onto the ship and he puts his hand down and comes up 
in some slimy stuff. <sighs> and so once again, you as the viewer know exactly what's happened, that one of the xenomorphs is on the ship. So that's a great, exciting scene. Pilot gets taken out. The dropship goes out of control, comes crashing at them. They're running away as the thing is exploding and pieces of stuff are flying all over. Because then it's after that, I think, that we get Hudson saying, Game over, man. <laughs> Game over, man. <laughs> Game over. So then they, you know, they just get back inside and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. You get another one of the most quotable lines in the movie from Newt. They mostly come out at night, mostly. Mostly. <laughs> That's such a great line of dialogue and that's that that the repeat of mostly at the end of the sentence just makes it for some reason i don't know why this podcast should just be called most quotable lines from aliens yeah <laughs> because it's it, it it is just one of those movies because from there then we move into the scene in the med bay first it's a very touching scene uh ripley putting uh newt to bed for the night you get the other great little line you know, Ripley, she doesn't have nightmares because she's just a piece of plastic. That's classic. They continue to fight more with Burke, and he does the, it was a bad call, Ripley. Ooh. Another great line. Because Let's, he, okay. You find out that he... Literally every white male politician in 2017. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was bad a bad call. It was a bad call. It was a bad call, Ripley. What a do you want me to say? Call. It was a bad call, all right? Just, it's okay. Uh, because that's that's when you find out that he sent the colonists that you know out to the site where the he's ship like, was. He's like not really apologizing, but he expects you to be like, yeah. "I accept your apology." <laughs> Some glasses oh. up right there. Then oh, it's then, a bad call, Ripley. They realize that the that their only chance is to bring the other dropship from the Sulaco down by remote. But because of technical difficulties, Bishop has to go out to this antenna <laughs> through this conduit. That's such a claustrophobic thing. It just gives me the shivers when they cut open that conduit and he gets inside there. And there's just enough room for him to crawl down that conduit. It's tight. It's just that I I and know like that he's a, a robot. Or... So I'm like, you're made of tin. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the same... Android love for Bishop that I do for Walter. That's if, okay. If Walter got in a conduit, I'd be like, <laughs> it's so small, he can't fit. <laughs> There's such a great character bit there, though, on a variety of levels. Bishop is Bishop is the real ride or die. He's solid. Bishop is getting in the into the conduit. Vasquez gives him a weapon, and it's great that it's her, that mm -hmm. character. Yeah. Of course she's going to give him the weapon. But he just immediately hands it to Ripley. <laughs> and Ripley does, just takes it. She doesn't question <laughs> why he's not taking the weapon. It's just such a great little bit. And it just goes by so quickly because there's no one says a word about it. Yeah. I do, I, do, I do love how Bishop is like, obviously I'm the one who's going. Like, obviously this is going to be me. Like, that's what the androids are on the ships for. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, they get these bad raps. The company's corrupt. But Bishop Bishop's the guy. I would introduce Bishop to Walter. And I would be, I oh would yeah. I would cast him in my roommate sitcom with Walter. He's the one who comes running in the door like uh Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> then oh there's the great little scene that just shows the growing bond between 
Hicks and Ripley when he teaches her how to use the pulse rival. Yeah, that's and I, good. I really like what they did with Hicks and Ripley because they clearly like each other. They clearly are mm-hmm. developing a an emotional bond, but it's not overtly romanticized. Yeah. It's it could be just as much be friends as that's what being I like. Romance. Even that gray area best friends yeah. nonsense and, and when you're fighting the aliens. Yeah, they didn't force in a real romance there. Not not that everyone wasn't immediately, as we would now say, shipping <laughs> them. What, what what would you have said then? I I just I don't think that the uh, truncation down to shipping was in the uh, geek lexicon really? yet in 1986. 1986 pre-internet. Now we get to the first real out and out. There can be no redemption scene with Burke. Everything has already gone horribly wrong. But up until this point, as you were having a growing dislike for Burke, this is a whole different level. Because what happens then is... It went from being a smart aleck to I'm trying to murder yeah, you. Yeah, he releases the facehuggers in the med bay with Ripley and Newt. A child! <laughs> he goes in there while they're sleeping. Oh, and let's just back up and say what a great little bit when Sigourney goes in to check... Sigourney. When Ripley goes in to check on it's Newt... It's Sigourney Weaver, let's be real. <laughs> and and uh, realizes that she's sleeping under the bed and she just goes under yeah. the bed and goes to sleep with her. Very nice touching yeah. scene. But then she wakes up, realizes the facehuggers are out, reaches up on the bed for her weapon. Oh my weapon, god, that shot. And the weapon where is gone. It pans up. I don't know if that's a pan, but it it it's like the shot is on Ripley and she's like spooked and she's going for her gun and you know she's going for a gun and it just the camera slowly lifts yep. up to her hand coming over and there's no gun. Landing on the empty Good. bed. So when you realize that Burke had to have been responsible, then that's where there's no redemption. Because it's like, what he tried to do was was so reprehensible. That's what you were talking about at the top of the podcast, the scuttly. Because then you get, oh my God. You get that, that fa- the, the, there's the two facehuggers in there, and they're just scampering around. Coming after Ugh, scampering. Oh, it's it's so. Oh, what a great scene! It's just it's literally a nightmare because they're trapped in that little room. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they can do about it. Their blood, their blood is acid. You know, like oh my god. Yeah. So they're trying to decide whether they're just going to summarily execute Burke or not. But then they never get there because then that's when the aliens attack. They're in the ceiling. Which, how smart are they? There's that bit that later where some where the power goes out and someone says they cut the power. Like, how could they cut the power? They're animals, man. It's like. Well, there's a point about that we'll discuss in a little also, bit. Also, not only are they in the ceiling, but when they realize they're in the ceiling, one of the Marines. Hicks. Hicks, like, he just, like, pops his he head up there. He up there. <laughs> he, like, lifts the thing and puts, like, his shoulders and his head up there and then turns his light on and is like, Ugh! and it's like, that's just... <laughs> and it's just thick with them crawling toward him. It's, it's just so, oh, like... Oh, man. It's like, it's like you know they're in, they know that they're in the ceiling. They know they're in the ceiling because they have the motion detectors and the motion detectors are saying one meter, but they're not there. They're not under them, so they have to be above them. And he's like, I'll just pop my head up there. 
I'll just pop up there and I'll look and I'll come back down. And now we really start losing everyone that's left. Hudson goes down fighting. He's got some great lines right before he goes where he's just he's yelling at the aliens. Oh, you want some of this? How about you? You want some of this? <laughs> it's hilarious and fabulous. And um, But then he gets uh, pulled down by the aliens. <clears throat> Shortly after that, the moment you've been waiting for, Burke, unrepentant, because he runs off in all the confusion <laughs> and then locks a door. And it's like, at that point, what are you even doing? How do you think you're going to get off of this planet without the help of these Marines? And yet you're still just turning on them. I like the door. I'm safe. It's like, oh. But then, of course, he turns around and he gets a, you know, he gets the uh, the jaw thing. I love it. In his face. They don't show it, of course, but you know what happens. So now, you know, Newt is leading them through the ductwork. You know, and it's great. They just have to rely on the kid to show them the way out. And then, great redemption scene. Poor Lieutenant Gorman, who is was unconscious for a long time, who froze up during the first combat, but now he goes back for Vasquez because uh. Vasquez gets overwhelmed by aliens. She's like her leg is injured because of the acid blood. He goes back for her, but then realizes you know they're the they can't get out, and he pulls out a grenade. They're going to take themselves out and a whole bunch of the aliens. So it's a great redemption scene for Gorman, but unfortunately, the explosion is then what causes Newt to fall Yeah. down into some flooded tunnel just as they're about to escape. And Hicks and Ripley just go after her without any question at first. But then Hicks, when when she's actually taken by a xenomorph, Hicks makes the call, the horrible hard call that they have to leave without her because they've only got less than a half an hour until the nuclear explosion. Can I just, like, I I would... Anybody that's yoinked by a xenomorph and you've got a half hour, it's, it, I don't even know if it would matter if I had a half hour. If you're yoinked, it's like, I, I'm out. Like, I'm leaving right now. This is a living nightmare. <laughs> Hicks made the rational call at yes. that point. Yes. So they get back to Bishop. Hicks got wounded by acid blood on the way there. So he's kind of out down for the count at this point. And then there's another great exchange there where Ripley says... We're not leaving. And Bishop is just like, we're not? <laughs> it's just it's a great, you know, it's just kind of flat because he's an android, but it's still like that subtext there, like, what? <laughs> We've only got, you know, he's like tapping his wristwatch. Clock's ticking, uh, Ripley. Tick tock. I'm made of tin, but I'll still die, so. I'm made of tin and milk. But then, <laughs> so she's only got like 15 minutes, but she goes back. It's like, I know she's still alive, which of course she doesn't, but you know, you. this is another part where the motivation is given more depth by, uh, I'm not going to lose another daughter angle, but in the theatrical release, you don't have that because that scene was cut. Mm -hmm. But again, it's not like you're questioning why is she going back to yeah, the little girl. Yeah. You totally get it, but you know, it does. it is a nice added layer when you 
know about the lost daughter. But, on the other hand, in the original, she went back for the cat, for crying out loud. I would, so, would you not have gone back for you know, Jonesy? So, obviously, she's going like, to go that's, back like, for a kid. That's the, like, uh, I have never related to anyone making a stupid decision more than a Ripley going <laughs> back going for the onto cat. that ship with the alien. To like, and it's like, there's no question. It's like, she gets in the show, she's ready to go, and she's like, ugh, forgot the cat. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, it's like if she went to the grocery store and came home and was like, mm, forgot the eggs. <laughs> Guess I have to go back. Like, oh my God. So she finds Newt because of the scream. The little girl, she has a scream. Oh my gosh. When they <laughs> have her un- unleash that scream. That is such a tense scene. The egg pod thing oh opens up. Oh my god. And that's when she starts it's, screaming because it's the thing. shellacking itself and, out. And those fingers start coming out. Oh my gosh. She finds her and she's trying to break her out. And then, what a great moment. There's so many great moments in this film that I found, you know, they still have the same sort of impact. Yeah. Now. So she's running, running, running. She's carrying Newt, trying to find her way back out. She knows where she's going, basically, because she was laying down flares as she went in. And she steps into the queen's chamber without realizing. She's always, like, all of a sudden she's in this other room, and she starts looking around, and she's seeing the Yeah, that moment of, like... And then this great slow reveal where you see the... um, the, uh, what's it called? The uh, ovipositor, just big, undulating, slimy thing, putting the eggs gently onto the uh, floor, and then the camera pans up and across the whole, this whole egg portion of the queen's body. It's so gooey and gross, and, oh and, and oh, oh. And then, and then you get to the actual body, and she sees the queen. Oh my gosh, it was such a great reveal. And when and man, to see that on the big screen. Yeah. Oh. Now imagine camera pans, slow pan all the way up, gets to the head, and the thing's like, "Hey, Ellen, what's going on?" <laughs> so, you back? And Ripley's like, "You know me, trying to murder all your kids." And she's like, "I know, here I come." Rip. <laughs> when you were asking earlier about how smart are the xenomorphs? The drones aren't necessarily that smart. It's the queen that's smart. And there's a little bit... You think the queen cut the power? Or directed them to, because it's before she... I mean, she was still connected to her egg body. But listen to this. There's a bit in that scene. This is another thing where I think it goes by very quickly and lots of people don't notice it. But when Ripley is staring at the queen, the queen's staring at Ripley... There's various drones kind of coming in from various entrances. All DGI Mavic pros. That's how you know they're serious. And, and what, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> I said they're all DGI Mavic pros. That's how you know they're serious. I'm an old man. I don't know what you, what you mean. It's a drone. Oh, that's a brand of, yeah. okay. <laughs> See, that would have been such a nice joke if I was hep enough <laughs> with what the young kids these days are doing to recognize the reference. Because then I could pull a Captain America. I got that reference. I got that reference. (laughs) It's like I'm frozen in ice, people. The kids today, I don't know what they're talking about. So Ripley looks at the queen. She shoots the flamethrower off to the side. Then she looks back at the queen and she points the flamethrower at the eggs and looks at the queen. 
and the queen sort of like looks and then the the drones back off she I actually totally i can't believe i forgot about this she <laughs> actually threatened hostage situation yes and the queen understood it and the drones backed off and so there's the implication there that the queen is much smarter and that she has some sort of you know who knows what telepathic uh, chemical signals whatever but yeah. she can order the drones about it's a really interesting concept for the species that but then she's like that goes by fast time. and then but then yeah then she gets a little makes a questionable decision there the whole thing's about to be destroyed in a mushroom cloud but even even as she's getting out of the door it's like she can't just back out she has to like torch the place because yeah. take this and you're kind of like just like well Ripley you need Ripley, to get, get you need to get move, get move out of there butt. but she's got she's all loaded up well i forgot to mention that earlier i was going to say when she's getting ready to go down for newt it's like the greatest gearing up scene in the history of cinema as she's like taping her weapons together and get gathering all the ammo and stuff <laughs> but then when you were asking about this the how smart they are then the other thing is the queen understood the elevator how so well she went up in the elevator when when you know so so uh, Ripley and Newt get in the one elevator and goes up and then there's like a shot of the queen and she like looks over at the other elevator and then she follows them up in the elevator. You know, sometimes so, I wonder how much I think when I watch a movie and how much my brain is just like, we're doing the same thing we've done every day for 20 years and just switches off. <laughs> because I did not... <laughs> clock that like bit at all you know there's lots of action adventure going on and so yeah sometimes <laughs> there's lots of action adventure going on in my head sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they get out at the top ripley and newt but the drop ship is gone and ripley who still has questions about bishop immediately thinks that she, he's just abandoned her but no, he, no, no. But no, he just, you know, the he's a ride or die. He had to come, you know, he had to leave because of the platform was unstable and everything's blowing up. But he comes back just in time because the elevator opens. There's the queen, but they run. They get on the dropship. She's like, I can use buttons now, Ellen. Aliens uh, AU, where the the queen is just like a suburban mom, <laughs> and Ellen is just moved in with Newt. And they're all played by Tatiana Maslany. Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> but then, you have to have that final twist, like in any great horror film or slasher movie, even though this is an adventure film, but, I mean, you still need, you need that extra final mm -hmm. thing at the mm -hmm. end. And, oh my gosh. So, the queen has uh, hitched a ride on the dropship in the uh, little like compartment where one of the landing gear goes up. She comes out first. She rips Bishop in two. <laughs> what a horrible scene that was in the first movie. Well, what's great is, so she like thrusts her spiky tail through him, but then it evokes a chestburster scene. Yeah, and, yeah. And so that plays nicely. And it's just so bizarre. You're, you're, you're wondering just what is happening it's like he's it's like how can there be a chest burster and then all of a sudden this big spike comes through him and it's like well what's that what's going you know it's it's it was such a great uh surprise twist 
I wish that they could laugh. Who's they? The aliens. Like, I wish that it was like... Because then, yeah. <laughs> she was definitely, yeah, would have been a place... But like, really like nerdy. <laughs> yeah. And of course, and that sets up one of the most iconic lines and scenes. Because you get the big loader battle. Ripley and the loader versus the queen. What more can you ask for? <sighs> Nothing. Nothing. What? That's peak. Can we talk about how Ripley's first name is Ellen? Does that not seem like the right name for her? Do, does it seem like the right name to you? I've known that was her first name since before you were born, so I can't remember what 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 kind of reaction I might have had to it when it when I first learned it. It just seems like the entire like an alien. She's like she's Ripley, and then an alien. She's Ripley, and then later it's like Teehee, I'm Ellen. <laughs> What's uh? That Hicks was his name. Uh, his first name? I've forgotten his given, already. His, his given name? His Christian name? Um, but yeah, you're, we're, we're talking now about one of the scenes that was deleted from the theatrical cut. I think that was in the director's cut. Where uh, right before Ripley goes back for Newt, uh, she and Hicks exchange first names. Although I get how that was kind of a touching moment. That That's not really a, that's not a scene I miss. Just like, to me, Ellen, it's like... Ellen DeGeneres and Ellen Page. And there's no room for any more Ellens in the picture ever. <laughs> I want, it's just like, it just makes me like, feel like Ripley needs to be like a witty, like lesbian. <laughs> Which like, I'd be here for whether or not her name was Ellen, but. Yeah. So the, so we get the loader fight scene, including the uh, iconic line, get away from her, you bitch. This is one of our special Grup editions where we're uh, discussing an R-rated film, so <laughs> I just we're let the, allowed to use the I language the B they, words, they use. I let the B word fly. Another line that is quoted constantly, <laughs> but it's such a great fight sequence, and I love the bit where the queen's inner jaw is snapping. Oh man! And it and it can come yeah. through the yeah. cage of the yeah. loader, so she's just like yeah. <laughs> Ripley's in there, like, dodging her head back and forth as this thing shoots in. It's such a great sequence. And, I mean, and when the whole thing tumbles into the airlock. Oh, my God, though, the part where she's, like, holding on to the ladder and it's oh, yeah. just her arm. It's like, yeah. that would snap. Or dislocate. Oh, my God. It stresses me out so much every time because, like, like you know the feeling of pressure on your arm like that at all. Oh, my gosh. It's terrible. Then, one of my favorite scenes, and then after this, Ripley could never doubt Bishop again. Bishop, torn in half, saves Newt. During decompression, Newt loses her grip, she's sliding toward the airlock, and Torso Bishop grabs her. Bishop and, is a ride or die. Oh, man. She finally... It's almost on par with Walter flinging himself at the alien when it comes for Daniels. <laughs> almost. And and then of course you get the 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 scene after the alien falls out into space and Ripley is able to shut the doors so the decompression stops and she's able to get to Newt and Newt calls her mommy. Oh, was a nice cry. scene. And cry. again, time, time to cry. <laughs> extra little layer if the detail of her having lost her daughter was in there, but it still works perfectly fine as is. Bishop gets to say not bad for a human. It's like he's be able to give her a little attitude back for all of her 
anti-android uh, thing. Then you get another touching little scene because now they have to go back into cryosleep, and so then you get uh, Ripley putting Newt to bed again, but this time Newt seems to kind of be looking forward to the idea of dreaming because she's not talking yeah. about nightmares. She says, will I dream? Yeah. There's some really nice dialogue in this movie. There's these nice character mm -hmm. arcs and nice things. Also, imagine the dreams you would have during cryosleep. You're asleep for, like, months. Mm -hmm. I go to sleep for, like, three hours and wake up and be, like, I don't know what's happening. But, like, cryosleep, I think it's insane. So that's the movie. Did you want to talk a little bit about any of the other deleted scenes? There was a lot of deleted scenes in here. I mean, there he like shot 15. a lot there like of stuff. 15. There was, and you know, there's this whole sort of opening prologue, which I'm so glad was cut because it was so long. I'm talking about the opening scene where you actually see Newt and her brother and her parents go out, find the alien ship, go in. The father comes out with the face hugger. It's like, it was so much more effective to open the movie in the lifeboat with Ripley. Yeah, for having, sure. For sure. Because all that other stuff just, telegraphs things it just and it, you know it, it takes the mystery out of them going to the colony because you know that the aliens have started so cutting that was a good decision that's one of the reasons why i prefer the uh, theatrical release the scene when ripley is putting newt to bed and newt asks her about if she ever had children that's another nice little scene developing that arc of Ripley's yeah. daughter. But in the long run, the movie uh, does just fine without it, and then you don't have the uh, retcon thing. And then another scene that I was really glad they cut was when Hudson starts talking about, well, maybe the aliens are just like ants, and they've got a big queen, and she's, like, really big. And it's just like, <laughs> well, why have Hudson out of nowhere, like, explain the big twist coming in the movie before you get there. Yeah, for real. That belonged on the cutting room floor. Those are the only other comments I had related to deleted scenes. Okay, so. Any final comments on Aliens as its own film and how it is now so far in the four films that we have watched in our super mega alien review? Newt is the highlight of this movie, I think. Honestly. <laughs> Other than her, I don't have a lot of stuff to, like, rant about, really, for this movie. I feel like... Rant? Uh, good or bad? Yeah. I feel like good sequel, solid action movie. One of the, one of the best despite sequels Despite it being ever. a little long. Hudson does border on the cartoonish a little bit. Yeah. It's got some but... flaws. Not too big, except for, like... Uh, Vesquez apparently, but as just as a movie, as a plot, I don't know, it's good. Um, yeah. I'll give it a uh, a zero to ten on the uh, on the Walter scale. <laughs> There's no Walter. <laughs> I do like Alien better though. I I really went into this being like, last time I watched this, this was the best movie I'd ever seen, and now I'm like, I like Alien. I like Alien and every scene with Walter. <laughs> I'm more in this movie. I like Alien. I love Alien, I should say. I'm very fond of Aliens. A fabulous sequel. As I've mentioned many times before, I can completely do without the prequels. Although, 
I completely understand your passion for Walter. Walter. He's a great character. Walter. Walter and before David went crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Walter and the scene where David is drinking his lubricant out of a wine glass and bleaching his hair. <laughs> well, I'm a you know, I, Lawrence of Arabia is one of my favorite films, and that little bit I found so endearing, and then it just got ruined by because he's evil. So okay, well then that wraps up the the uh, the first sequel to Alien, and. Not necessarily on our next episode, but eventually we will be uh, moving on to Alien 3, where things start to get a lot more shaky. Alien 3, where there's eight different cuts, and sometimes it's a dog, and sometimes it's a buffalo, it's a cow. You don't know what's (laughs) happening, okay? It's just, it's a mystery. That's all the time we have for this episode. In upcoming episodes, we'll welcome Ethan Siegel, astrophysicist and author of the recent book Technology about technology and Star Trek. And we'll also be continuing our review of the Alien series with Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. <laughs> Remember that Generations Geek is a part of the Chronic Rift Network, which broadcasts from a dark spaceship corridor where the lights are flickering on and off. Please give their other fine podcasts a listen at chronicrift.com. Thanks for listening. And come Come back back next next time. time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny.